he didn't turn our life uh, upside down. He turned us right side up. He put our feet upon a rock. He gave us a song to sing. We love him. We worship him. We're devoted to him. You know what? If you ever find someone truly in love, there's someone starry-eyed, consumed, enraptured. That's what it's like. You per people, if you've never fallen in love, God help you. But see true, genuine love, it steals your heart. It captivates the heart, and it's the same with the Lord Jesus Christ. What a poor love it would be if I said, I love God. And after all, that is the first of all commandments, to love God. That's a basic commandment. If you don't get that right, you've got nothing at all right. And so we're commanded, love God with all of your heart and your mind and your strength with everything that is in you. If you don't love God, then you have nothing. Forget religion, forget Christianity, forget the Bible, forget anything of this, forget heaven. And you know what? It all hinges on that. I love God. And I want to tell you, loving God looks like something. It's, it's not pale-faced. It's not shallow. I'm telling you, it's not famished. When you see someone in love, it is vibrant. It is real. It, it is so authentic. And I want to tell you, I hope by God's grace tonight, you're authentic. You can say, I love God with all my heart. I love him. He has captured my heart. You know why? Because 2,000 years ago, he died on a cross. This is love. You can't define it by what's called love out there. Real love, you've got to look to the cross. You've got to look to a bleeding Jesus. You've got to look to a dying Savior. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to die on the cross that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, won't go to hell, won't die in their sins. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. You will be born again. You're given eternal life. What a glorious thing. And all this truth is contained in this wonderful book tonight. Please stand with me. It's so wonderful to have our... Uh, brother Pastor Dennis Greenidge more than a pastor I'd hate to confine him to the role of a pastor he's a man of God he, he's called to preach this word and you know more than that more than a preacher more than a minister of the gospel he's a friend and a brother in Jesus Christ and the greatest thing I can call you is brother here tonight there's something so special about these relationships birthed in Christ where you're forgiven you're saved by God's grace you love each other, you walk together, and there's a wonderful friend, a uh, wonderful friend to me, wonderful friend of this church, stood by us at an hour of crisis. That's very special. It's very, very special. But saints of God, before we come to worship, let me just read three verses I want to bring to you. 1 Samuel chapter 3. You can keep playing, brother So, 1 Samuel chapter 3. And these are precious verses for us. If you know this church and about this church, this is precious verses about young Samuel. But he didn't stay young and didn't stay little. But this is what it says, 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 19. And Samuel grew. Remember, this is our 10th anniversary as a church. Ten years ago, on Friday past, we held our first Sunday morning service. And over a period of a week, only several of us starting out with the devil saying, you're crazy, you're mad, you're deceived. Nothing's going to come of this. But I want to tell you, see, when you do something going, I'm convinced it's the will of God. It's very special. Ten years ago, 
and we're here in the will of God. This is what it says. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and did let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan, even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. And this is the reason. What do you mean God appeared in a certain place? Well, this is what it means. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. What does it mean that God appears in a place? I mean, what does it mean that God appears? What does that look like? Well, he went to young Samuel and began to reveal his word so Samuel could preach it and prophesy. That's what it looks like when God actually comes and reveals himself in a place, in a church, in a gathering. It actually looks like something when God comes. If you're waiting for just a mist to come down, you could miss God because he could be speaking from on high. I mean, as thus saith the Lord. And you could miss him because you're waiting for a feeling or a cloud or an experience. And he could be here actually speaking to your heart to change your life, never to be the same. Do you realize there's some of you tonight, your life could be so changed on this 10th anniversary, never, ever to be the same again. And if that is even a likelihood, I would want to have ears to hear. I'd want to know. Will you just lift your hands? Let's pray together. Wherever you are, this might seem strange to you tonight. You might be so familiar, maybe too familiar with this. But even before we begin to sing, let's just begin to ask where you are. Begin to open up your heart. Speak to me, O God. Reveal yourself to me. Make your heart known in this gathering. Let's just ask him together, unitedly. We don't want it just a gathering. We just don't want preaching. We want the very heart of God to be revealed. My God, will you come to us? Will you reveal yourself? Will you appear in the midst of this place, O God? Will you make your voice to be heard? My God, you know every heart. My God, we're asking of you, speak to me tonight. Speak to me tonight. Meet with me tonight. Reveal yourself to me tonight. Open my heart tonight. Speak to me from on high. Oh, living God, God of the Bible, will you reveal yourself, the God of truth, the God of eternity, the God of all creation. My God, will you move in these lives? Will you reveal yourself in power? Will you come and draw near in your divine presence? We love you. We glorify you. And Lord God, we want to minister unto you here tonight. In Jesus' mighty name. The Lord has given a land of good things. I will press in and make them mine. I'll know his power, I'll know his glory, and in his kingdom I will shine. Oh, with the high your armor, ye sons of Zion, gird up your armor, let's go to war, we'll win the battle, 
with great rejoicing, and so we'll praise and more and more. Oh, with the high praises of God in our mouths and a two-edged sword in our hearts, we'll march right on to the victory side, right into Canaan's land. We'll bind their kings in chains and fetters. We'll bind their nobles hiding high to execute God's written judgment. March on to glory, sons of Zion. Oh, with the high praises of God in our mouths and a two-edged sword in our hands. Thank you, Lord. We'll march right on to the victory side, right into Canaan. With the high praises. Oh, with the high praises of God in our mouths. Jesus came into my heart. Oh, 
floods of joy, oh my soul, like the sea billows roll. Since Jesus came into my heart, and there's a light in the valley of death now for me. Since Jesus came into my heart, at the gates of the city beyond I can see. Since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, lots of joy on oh my soul, like the sea billows roll. Since Jesus came into my heart, and I shall go there to dwell in that city. I'm happy, so happy, as onward I go, since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, floods of joy on my soul, like the sea willows roll, since Jesus came into Let's sing the first verse. What a wonderful change. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. I have a light in my soul for which long I have sought since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Lots of joy on oh my soul, like the sea billows roll. Since Jesus came into my heart, and I have ceased from my wandering and going astray. Since Jesus came into my heart, and my sins, which were many, are all washed away. Since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, a flood of joy, oh my soul, like the sea billows roll. Since Jesus came into my heart. And I'm possessed of a hope that is steadfast and true. Amen. Since Jesus came into my heart. And no dark clouds of doubt now my pathway obscure. Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. A of joy. Like the sea billows roll, since Jesus came into my heart, and there's a light in the valley of death now for me, since Jesus came into my heart, and the gates of the city beyond I can see, since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart, since 
and I shall go there to dwell in that city I know since Jesus came into my heart. And I'm happy, so happy as onward I go since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Lots of joy on my soul like the sea billows roll. Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Lots of joy on my soul like the sea billows roll.
my heart. 
search for all eternity, Lord, and find there is none like you. I could search. And I could search for all eternity, Lord, and find there is none like you. There is none like you. There is none like you. Can we pray? Amen. Jesus. Father, we we love you. Jesus. We adore you, Lord. Thank you for one more privilege, Lord, to be in your house with your people, Lord. Thank and praise you, Father, for your thoughts towards us, thoughts of peace and of hope to give us a future, an expected end. Lord, we just want to commend ourselves tonight to your word and to your grace. I thank and praise you for your promise that we're two or three are gathered in your name. You're in the midst to bless I want to thank you for each individual that's in this place tonight, Lord. I want to thank you, Father, for the 10 years that you've brought this fellowship through. Thank and praise you, Lord. Thank and praise you. Thank and praise you, Father. Thank and praise you. Through the trials and temptations, through the battles, through the storms, in the good times and the bad times, Lord, you've always been there and you've never changed. You've always been a good God. You'll always be a good God. And we want to just thank and praise you. Can we stand together and just lift our voices? It's not about me being here tonight. Let's just stand together and let's just give God thanks tonight. I just thank God for the privilege that I could be here. Just raise your voice and just thank him because he alone is worthy. Amen. You may be seated. And indeed, it is a great privilege and an honor to be with you all tonight and to be with my precious and dear friend, Pastor Keith. Uh, as he said, it's not something I can figure out or we can figure out, but we know that God is God all by himself, really is. And I have to tell you that uh, <laughs> it's very unlike me <laughs> to be away from home I was away from home 11 days and uh, preached in, I think, 12 services and got back on Sunday night at midnight and uh, had just a part of a day at home and then I flew out to be with you. And I knew that I had that schedule before, but I just had this longing to be with you, to be with Pastor Keith, who's been a brother and a friend but also just to celebrate. I told him I'm not coming to preach. I just want to be here. <laughs> I just wanted to be here. And you know, I've been asking the Lord a question because what we're seeing happen in our present time all around, we're seeing floods like we've never seen before. Yes. Never recorded in history like the floods we're seeing. The fires, the earthquakes. I mean, you think about Libya, over 20,000 people and more have died in a flood. You think about um, what happened 
just there in, in, in um, Morocco. Over 2,550 people, bodies that they, they found that died in an earthquake. We have members in our fellowship that are from Morocco. They hadn't been back for years. They were Muslims. They came and they heard the gospel. And they're in the church now and twins, actually. <laughs> and they're born again. And they went back to Morocco after all these years. And they were there witnessing and sharing with their family in Morocco who are Muslims, bringing the gospel to them. They got out and then this earthquake came. I said, Lord, in all this that we're seeing, we know your word says we're sinned abound, grace did much more abound. But Lord, we need to see you. We, 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 need, we need to see you. We need to see you for who you really are. Because even in the time that we're living in right now, many who say they believe in Jesus are turning away. They're trying to change the scriptures. But I thank God for this ministry. I thank God. And I, <laughs> I, I'm not stirring up no sermon or cooking up a sermon. I'm just going to share with you what the Lord told me to share with you. And I said, Lord, how are we going to see you the way we need to see you? And I heard these words. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And we're now in a new season. And while I went into to, to Norway, there's a lady I know called Gun. And she's been in a condition for 18 years. Been locked up in her house, can't get out of her bed. Never really be, had to spend time with her children growing up. So hard on her husband. I know her two twin sisters and they kind of drifted away because their mother, their sister, has to lie in bed day after day, can't even have light come in. And this has been a situation we prayed for years. Good knew the Lord. She knows the Lord. But somehow there was just, we couldn't understand why. And just as I got this word, Blessed the pure in heart. I found out from good now and from others. These, the process of having our heart cleansed. <laughs> we can limit God by just our thought patterns. There'll be things that we can sit in church and we can sing songs, whatever, and we can hold on to things that we just do not want to let go of. Are you hearing me? And it's amazing because when Jesus spoke about even having faith as a grain of mustard seed. In one context, he says, if you have a faith as a grain of mustard seed, the potential in that seed, you can say to a mountain, be removed, and it be removed. And that's in the context of deliverance and healing. But another time he said, with the same grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted. And that wasn't in the, in the sense of deliverance for healing for others or whatever. That was in the sense of deliverance for yourself because he was talking about the context of unforgiveness. And the mulberry tree is a tree that has the strongest, deepest roots that go down. And we can be doing all kinds of things, ministry, everything on the surface, but only God knows our hearts. And he said, you can say, because they thought they could, you know, seven times a day I could forgive someone, I guess. But he multiplied that many times. And they turned and said, Lord, increase our faith. And I know, without a shadow of doubt, that it's so easy to get so familiar with the things. If there's a ministry and a preacher that I know 
that preaches the straight, solid, unadulterated, uncompromising word of God is your pastor. So you don't need me to come and preach the word to you because you know it. I'm here just to share and encourage you to apply it. Not just to know it in your head, but to apply it. And this whole thing, this mulberry tree that was in this precious woman's life, we didn't know. But it can take 18 hours. It can take 18 minutes. It can take 18 years to get all the roots out if you're unwilling to have them taken out. But I want to tell you something right now. I was in Norway. Gun is all over TV in Norway because just like that, in a moment, she got up. And she's out. I, 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 if you look at her, you just want to cry. She's like an angel. She's going all around, shearing and shearing the love of Jesus Christ. After 18 years, I have another friend who is a worship leader and his sister has been like that, with like MS. Her legs have gone to like jelly. She's been in the bed. She's only in her, probably in her late 30s and she's been like that for seven years. Good went to see her after God has totally healed her and raised up. She went to see the girl. I've gone and prayed for her. I've prayed for her. She hasn't got up. Good went up to her and prayed for her for two minutes. Two minute prayer. And the girl's lying in the bed paralyzed and she says, aren't you going to pray anymore? And Gun said to her, I don't need to. Sit up and get up. She sat up and got up. She's totally healed. We can't give what we haven't got. And he said to his disciples in Luke 10, freely you have received, freely give. And I declare tonight, as you go from this 10th year on, it's going to be a time for you to see God like you've never seen him. But we've got to keep checking our hearts. That's the most important thing right now, I believe, all of us. You know, this comes from the Beatitudes. And those of you who know the Bible, Matthew 5, 6 and 7. But it starts off in these Beatitudes. It's the blessings that Jesus starts with. But really and truly, we call them Beatitudes. Let this be your attitude. <laughs> Let it be your attitude. It's not just words. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God and it's we're in it already I mean I'm working with those in Iran right now there are more people coming to Jesus in Iran than they can even count now are you hearing me my friends just come back from Armenia they're coming over the border Muslims are coming over the border from Iran into Armenia and they're, they're out they're Muslims and saying we want to find this about this Isa we want to find out about Jesus we have seen what Islam has been doing to us. Do you understand where we are right now? And it seems like in the church where we're trying to move away from the word, there are those that are hungry and want to be right before God. And I'm declaring and saying, Father, I want to thank and praise you because you're God all by yourself. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are those who desire straightness, honesty and clarity. They shall see God. God's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. 
If he's spoken, he'll bring it to pass. And I want to thank God so much for his goodness and his mercy. Oh, he's just doing wonderful things. He's just doing wonderful things. He is because he's a wonderful God. And I, just a few things, I, I, just that we, you, you probably know about this, but it's not about what we just know. It's what we apply. For me, to be honest with you, I could just sit down here. Listen to this. I said, Lord, you've just given me this one word. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they should see God. How am I going to come and bring that to this church? And then I get, my dear friend Suf comes up and he starts to sing. I wrote it down. Didn't you see me dancing? He, did, he sung through the song twice, all five verses, and I was really going for it. You know why? Since Jesus came into my heart, he kept singing it and went through the whole song again. You know why? Because the Lord just told me to tell you, blessed are the pure in heart. Only he knows your heart. Only he knows your heart. But if a man's ways pleases God, even his enemies will be at peace with him. Even his enemies will be at peace with him. I was saying to, to, to Keith, I think it was today, that when I was taken to hospital, some of you know my testimony, and I was taken to hospital, I had no time, it just happened like that. And I didn't know my appendix had burst over four days. You don't live after one day. But I said to Keith that when they came and told me I have to sign this paper because they will not touch me because they know that within hours I'll be dead anyway and if they do operate on me I'm probably going to die in the operating theatre, which did happen. But the fact was this. I said to Keith, I couldn't think even of one person that I need to go and say, I'm sorry for this or anything about unforgiveness in my heart. Do you I just relaxed in God's presence. I knew that if I was to die, I'm going to die. But I don't. The most important thing for all of us is not to have a lot of Bible knowledge. The most thing for all of us is to have a pure heart. Because the most important thing for us is to be able to see God for who he really is. Are you hearing me? And I didn't know that I said to Keith, and it's like I just wanted to be with him. Because I just thank God for keeping Keith over this year. I thank God for the thousands of people's lives that have found hope because of him standing behind this pulpit in probably the most hardest year of his life. Being faithful, loving God for who he is. But I always say to people, in a crisis is where Christ is. And when I was lying and I died on that operating theatre, let me tell you something right now. I thank God there was no regrets. There was nothing to me, to me trying to put right. And, and people talk about they had experience and they died and they saw hell. I never saw hell. Hell is not my portion. I went straight into the presence of God. And in his presence, those of you heard me before, there's only three things I knew. First and foremost, if anything good came out of me, wherever I came from, it was not me. I knew straight away in his presence. I didn't know I was married. I didn't know that I was a pastor. I didn't know anything about anyone else behind me. All I knew was that from wherever I came from, if any good came out of me, it was not me. I knew that straight away. And secondly, I knew that where I was, 
There was no point trying to explain anything because it was all known. And then suddenly, <laughs> instantly, I knew he knew me. And then I heard in this glorious place, people say, we were talking about it today. People said to has asked me, Dennis, did you see Jesus? I said, do you think if I saw Jesus, I'd come back here? <laughs> He's our everything. You were singing tonight. But suddenly I heard my voice who was miles away, my, my sister's voice miles away in the church when many people were around praying with her and she was shouting, he shall live and not die to declare the works of the Lord. And I heard her voice and they told me with all these tubes in my body, with a tube down my mouth, because I heard her voice, I realized I had a pass and I started to say, I shall live and not die. The doctors and nurses told me that I was speaking for the place of an induced coma when they got me back. And yet still I was speaking and saying, I shall live and not die to declare the works of the Lord. When I came to see Candice, the one thing Candice said to the two of us in the room, and I don't even think she said it to Keith before, but she said, Pastor Dennis, when I was in hospital in January, I had a similar experience of what you had. I went into the presence of the Lord. And she said it was all about him. When I came here, this is your 10th anniversary, but it's also a year now, just over a year, that Candice received her promotion to be with the Lord. I wanted to be here with you. I wanted to be here not to preach. I wanted to be here just to stand and say, well done. Keep being faithful. Keep your heart clean before God. Because when I went into that room and Candice was there, she sat up. She was breathing pretty hard and taking the oxygen. But she said, not unto us, not unto us, but unto your name be glory. And in her weakness, she then, you were there, Keith. She then stretched out on the bed and said, not unto us, not unto us, but unto your name be glory. And then she got strength and she swung her legs around. Do you remember? She swung her legs around the bed and she said, not unto us, not unto us, but unto your name be glory. And then she started to speak in tongues and she started to speak in tongues. And I will never forget that as long as I live because what she saw was greater than what we're seeing now. And we need to see God. I don't understand everything. I don't know, understand why Gun had 18 years. Dysfunctional. But all I do know, her whole community, her family, her unsafe family, and now all in the church because they, they can't believe that they got their sister back in such strength. But she's walking around now and just to give him what she's received. All that you've received and the word that goes out from this place is so rich and so powerful. But we've got to say, Father God, help us now to really, oh, really, listen to me. I'm not making this up. You, if your heart is pure, you can sit next to someone on the bus or on the train. You don't have to say a word. There's power. There's this dunamis power that comes within you. Are you hearing me? You can be with people. I'm sitting up with people on the plane. They're just sitting next to me and all of a sudden they start crying. There's something about the presence of God 
that comes in you. And as we purify our hearts, we will see him. This is not, this is, we, we, do you desire this? We need to desire this. It says that even the disciples, they're very shadows. There's something about Christ in you that is the hope of glory. And I've experienced it and I've come back and I said to Keith, Keith, you love Jesus. That's the bottom line. You have a love for Jesus. You have a love for Jesus. And for you to keep going like that, it's not that you just love the word or preaching. You love Jesus. And I say, Father God, if I was unconscious and became more effective when I was unconscious than when I am conscious, where that which was in me, not because I'm good, there's no good about me, but he's everything. He's everything. And as the song was being sung over and over, then he went on to, there's none like you. There is not. Is that true? No, do, do we just sing it or is it true? There's none like you. Hey? No one can touch my heart like you do. Because he really touched your heart. Because if, you really, if he's really touched your heart, your heart will touch others. It will touch others. He's real. He's real. And I came to a point in my life where I started seeing so many different miracles and things happening, and I didn't realize that my gift was taking me and my character wouldn't keep me. And I'll tell you this right now. Christ in you is the hope of glory. But I have found him in my darkest hour. And I tell you, someone out, Isaiah 59 tells us that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God will lift up a standard. And I want to tell you, the enemy is not the flood. And the so-called floods that the enemy would like to send in your life, they don't come when you're doing wrong. Because he's already got you. They come when you're doing what's right. Are you hearing me? The devil's a liar, Keith. It comes when you're doing right. Because the devil wants you to question God. The devil wants you to disbelieve God. But I tell you something right now. God's standard is being raised up in the middle of adversity. His standard is being raised. He's the God of the flood. Are you hearing me? The flood is God. He'll come and flood out. The Bible tells us he's the flood. He's the flood. And I want to say this right now, that you've come through a process. This 10 years that you've come through has been a testing. It's been like the priming of the pump. But you're about to go into something that you can never, ever believe or imagine on your own. You know, I've got to be honest with you. Things are going to get really bad for those who truly believe in the Lord. Are you hearing me? Persecution is going to come at a level that we can't imagine. I was held at gunpoint in Haiti, the capital of voodooism. And I watched in that airport when my father and I were standing there. I was here back in England in Knightsbridge working amongst millionaires and sharing the gospel, seeing them come to the Lord and whatever. And I thought I had something. <laughs> but let me tell you something. A gift is given to you to give away. 
a gift is not really for you. It's to give away. That's why it's called a gift. So others benefit from your gift. But you need the gift of others to benefit from. And when I was in Haiti and they held us at gunpoint, we prayed for 10 young people from America who was in the school of ministry over there. And they were crying because they actually thought they were going to Tahiti. Tahiti's a big difference from Haiti. And when they got in Haiti, they started to take... I was black, so I could, I could, I could go as a native. They were white. And they were taking the missionaries and chopping their hands off. Voodooism just was rampant. I never planned to share with this. I'm going to share it with you because it's what's in your heart. And all of a sudden, when we were out there, I was praying and they were crying because they thought they were going to die. And I prayed with them up on a roof, top of a house. God, please, take them out, get them out. And the next day we drove to the airport. When we got there, the airport was packed of people trying to escape from Haiti. And they got out on their plane. They got out. <laughs> and I was so rejoicing that it's just me and my father left. And we were meant to take a plane to go to Jamaica, then to go to England. And while I was sitting in the airport, I read the Bible for about four or five hours. All those hours I was reading the word of God. It's one thing to have it up here. It's another thing to have it here. And after reading the Bible for all those hours, all of a sudden, the militia came in. There were people drinking at the bar, cursing all kinds of things. But the moment that they saw the militia coming with guns, all of a sudden the whole airport turned into a massive prayer room. People screaming out, people repenting. No one spoke anything about Jesus. People frying themselves down. And all of a sudden, I went to pieces because I knew I was going to die. And I remember tears just running down my eyes. Every single word I read in the Bible, I could not remember one word in a crisis. I couldn't remember one word. The circumstance was so overwhelming that it blanked out everything in my mind. And my father put his hand on my shoulder. I'm cutting the story short. And he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, Son, God did not bring us to Haiti to die. He brought us to Haiti to bring life to those who are dying. And as my father put his hand on my shoulder and start, just squeezed me and pulled, him, pulled me to himself, his faith, his faith came and strengthened me. And suddenly, my mother who was in England, I could hear her voice singing. When peace like a river attendeth my way and storms like the sea billows roar, Whatever my lot, he has taught me to say, it is well with my soul. I never knew later in life that I would be in the house of Horatio Spafford's daughter years later in Israel. That was the man who lost his five children. I think it's four or five children. And that's how he got those words. He got a, a, a telegram from his wife. All is lost, save me. And he wrote those words. In the midst of losing all his children. He must have known God. He must have been pure in heart. And you know what? Only two people came out of the airport that day. My father and I. Can you imagine that? In Haiti. 
the capital at the time of voodooism. You see, before that happened, we was in a meeting and my father was going to preach and I was on the platform with my father. And, you know, it was all hallelujah, praise the Lord in the meeting, everyone's dancing and whatever, and suddenly the voodoo priest came in and they came with their skulls and people got afraid. And I got up and started to take authority and bind and the blood of Jesus and I'm going and doing all these things. It was all out of fear. It was out of fear. I, I was using the things of God, but it was out of fear. And they kept walking towards us. And my father just stood up very calmly and said, I will not be responsible if you take one step later and they carry you out dead. And both those voodoo priests dropped the bones, I think, threw themselves on the floor and gave a shout out for to have Jesus come into their life. It's a big difference between having the gift and having a pure heart. Are you hearing me? I knew all the things to say, but when I was facing hell itself, there was nothing to stop those powers because they knew what was in my heart. I want to say this right now. Go with me to Proverbs 4, verse 23 to 27. I'm just, I'm just going to share this and just, just leave it as it is. But remember, in, as you're turning there in John 14, 1, it says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. There are so many people today who say they believe in God, but they don't believe in Jesus. Are you hearing me? There are many that say, I believe in God, but they don't believe in Jesus. John 14, 27, he said, peace I leave with you, and my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. What we're going into Many, and I watched, even when I was out in Haiti, I watched preachers, I watched other, so many Christians, as soon as the voodoos and powers came, they were, they were running all over the place, like headless chickens. I found myself all those years ago in the same place. I knew how to witness about Jesus. I saw people coming to Jesus, but when I was faced with the enemy, face on face, it was a different thing altogether. And having the religious words and couldn't, couldn't help me. But I thank God I had a man with me who the devil knew. Are you hearing me? Who the devil knew. And when he said, if you take one step further, I will not be responsible. They knew that they were facing a man who had a heart that was pure. And being the majority with God, even the enemy had to bow. And from that day, that was many, many years ago, I made up my mind I'll never get caught up with just the gifts and what people say. I want to get caught up with Jesus. Yeah. Are you hearing me? Yeah. I want to get caught up with Jesus. When he returns, what is going to take you out of this place is Christ in you. He's going to come to draw himself. If you're a part of his bride, you're going to be magnetic. You will meet him in the air. Are you hearing me? That's why more than anything else for me right now is to have a pure heart. It's only by grace I'm back here totally healthy. It's by grace. Doctors can't understand it. They can't figure it out how I can walk out of a hospital when I'm meant to have bags for the rest of my life and meant to be amputated on my leg. They can't understand. They don't need to understand. You cannot understand a miracle. You have to accept a miracle. 
Don't try to work it out because God is God all by himself. Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. Father, will you help us? He's not saying that the pastor must keep your heart or your friend must keep your heart through praying for you whenever you've got a problem. It's saying you must keep your heart. Keep your heart. Since wisdom belongs in the midst of the heart, as it says here in Proverbs 4.21, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thy heart. Lord, help me. The world goes on this whole thing of mind over matter. And there are even believers. Sometimes they think, if I believe it strong enough, if I believe and have faith enough, it'll happen. We're not dealing with mind over matter. No, no, no. We're believing just putting our trust and faith in what God says and God can't lie. Amen? Because what you, what's on your mind change, changes everything that really matters. What's, as a man thinks, so is he. What is on your mind changes everything that really matters. If you're, if you're in a church and you're hearing the word of God and people in that church accept it, believe it, stand on it, then what matters will be changed to glorify God. But if your mind's on something else and you're doubting, then you, you won't get what God wants for you. Lord, will you help us? Oh, Lord, help me. We've got to keep our heart. It's, then that's, that's the sense of actually guarding our heart. Lord, help me to guard my heart. In the sense of when Solomon meant that, he said, our heart should be kept for wisdom. For wisdom. Guarding against the way of the wicked. Look at verse 19. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. Lord, help us. Help us. If I was left to myself, to be honest, I'd come and bring you a real sermon about 10th anniversary. But I'm going to tell you something right now. What's more important for all of us is the condition of our heart. Because what we're going into, the only one we're going to be able to turn to is the Lord himself. And from the perspective of the new covenant, it's in Ezekiel 36, 20, 20, 36, verse 26, it says, A new heart also I will give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. This is the part of where we are now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When I heard the song, Since Jesus Came Into My Heart, that's the fulfillment of Ezekiel 36, 26. Thank you, Lord. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Isn't that awesome? We can say that keep your heart implies heart worth, keeping a new heart, one worth keeping. Lord, I want my heart to be one that's worth keeping. It's, it's amazing what the Lord is doing. And when I hear the testimonies that's happening with many of you here, isn't God wonderful? Isn't he wonderful? Isn't he wonderful? When I hear where, where God's saving many of you from, isn't he wonderful? From the guttermost to the uttermost. From the guttermost. I was in the most remote place of Norway last week. And this is how God is. My mother's now 94 years old. A, a woman from Norway 
when my mother was 10 years old from a dysfunctional family, came on a boat for weeks all the way to Barbados to get little black children and teach them Sunday school under a tree. My mother was 10 years old. That's how she heard the gospel. Listen to this. This, that's, my mother's 94, so that's 84 years ago. I'm in Norway last week. They've got these refugees in there. And it's the refugees that are coming now and getting saved in the church. So in Norway, there's a few Norwegians and there's all these black refugees in the church. They had the children come and sing and there was, the children's choir was all black. Children. Listen to what happened to me last week. If we're not, God is awesome. Think about this. I get up and I tell them that my mother, I tell the story, I've never been in the church before. And after the service, when I call for prayer, a little girl walks up. My mother's name is Anita. This has never happened in my life. This little girl walks up. She said to me, can you pray for me? And I said, how old are you? She said, I'm nine years old. I said, what's your name? She said, Anita. Listen. I said, what do you want me to pray for? She said, I've already given my life to Jesus. I just want you to pray that all would be well. I'm not into sermons anymore. The reality is for me to be in Norway and God's given me the whole of Norway, every denomination to speak to. And I could be there in the most remote place. And now there's black children that's becoming, they have nothing. You understand? They're living in the very church building, Keith. And this little girl called Anita, like my mother, is in Norway. And the one person, that came, one child that came up, other people came for prayer, but only one child came and told me straight that she doesn't want me to pray for this. She said, I'm saved. I know Jesus. Nine years old. And she told me she wants me to pray over her life. Listen to me. I saw God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for I shall see God. Out of my mother's devastating life, given her life at 10 years old, she's never been back in the world, has all these grandchildren, the last of the grandchildren, all baptized. Just, they're all baptized. They're all with the Lord, every one of her children, and all her grandchildren. She's now got great-grandchildren. Can you hear me? Yeah. And she, I was here last night with Keith, and we were in the car, and I went on to the prayer meeting back in London. And my mum's 94 years old, and I can hear her voice in the church praying out. That's the reality. That's the reality. The one who saves you will keep you. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Every hurt, every pain, everything you've gone against, you've gone through. Listen to me right now. If you just say tonight, Father God, I'm asking you right now. Wash me and cleanse me. Purify me. Transform my mind. I want to be in a place, Lord God, where my heart is pure. Because then I will see you. You will see him. You will see him. You will see him. If you're the only person 
and everybody else is going in the wrong direction, many will be saved just because your heart is pure. Because you will have his thoughts. And his thoughts are thoughts of peace and of hope to give you a future and expected end. The Bible warns us that we should avoid to have, having a double heart. Psalms 12 verse 2. They speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor, with flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. Lord, please help me, Lord, not to be double-minded, have a double heart. We need to avoid having a hard heart. Proverbs 28 verse 14. Happy is the man that feareth, feareth away, always, sorry, but he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. Help me, Lord. Help me not to have a hard heart. I'm going to tell you something right now. I've never in all my life, and I've been in ministry for 40 years, my friends, and I grew up in the things of God. I've never, ever, ever in my whole life, ever experienced the things that I'm seeing happen in so-called church systems. I've never, ever seen so much heresy in my life. And that alone, if I look at that, my heart can become contaminated because I begin to judge and feel that I'm better. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? There's, there, it's very easy for arrogance to come in when you see other people are not doing what's right and they're meant to be right. The greatest enemy in the kingdom of God is pride. And when we get revelation and we get to know better, you need to understand when we get a revelation, we can get puffed up in our hearts very easy. Simon Peter got a revelation of who Jesus is. The next thing you know, he was trying to rebuke Jesus. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan desires to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Faith was never given to us to get things. Faith was given to us for God to get us. Hebrews 11 verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please God. The other challenge I have is the arrogance that I see that can come in me and others because I know better and I feel I'm doing better. We're all at the mercy of God. God. We're all at the mercy of God. Are you hearing me? We're all at the mercy of God. And I have been finding since the Lord raised me up from the dead. I don't have to witness much with my mouth, but they need to hear the gospel. But there's something about just desiring with all your heart to be in the center of God's will that makes you so magnetic that it draws people to you. Are you hearing me? It comes from the heart. It comes from the heart. And I want to say this. The Lord wants you to be exactly what he called you to be. Avoid having a proud heart. A high look. Proverbs 21.4, the proud heart, the plowing of the wicked is sin. It's strange. 
because I've been experiencing this on planes and when I travel, you can just be sitting with someone, not even tell them you're a Christian, just having a conversation and total strangers want to give you their address. Could you come to my house? Something's going on. People out there are hungry. Are you hearing me? They're not hungry for religion. They're not hungry to hear people tell them they're going to hell. And they are. Are you hearing me? But there's something about us understanding that they have something to give. When Jesus sat at the well with that woman, he made sure he sent his disciples away to go and get one loaf of bread. <laughs> While he sat at the well with this woman and he asked that woman for a drink. Remember, he's all-knowing. Are you hearing me? He's all-knowing. He knows everything. And yet still he said, can you give me a drink? And she looks at him on the outside and says, how can you, a Jew, ask me a Samaritan for a drink? He was getting her to serve him so he can serve her. I'm going to close, Keith, because I'm not preaching. I'm just sharing my heart. But I have to tell you this. There's something about a pure heart that causes people to see God. And I was in Russia. And it was minus 10. It was Mamansk. It was in a theater. There was over 1,600 people in the building. I was the one black person they took in the building. And when I got there, I thought, God, what am I doing here? And they were sitting like this, just staring at me. There was one woman that had been in that church for 15 years. I didn't know that I found out after. She'd been blind for 15 years, a member of the church. I went up and just spoke briefly about the woman who touched the hem of his garment. And that woman had an issue of blood for 12 years. And she knew that if she went near a rabbi in that condition, she would be stoned. But the fact is this, that just before Jesus comes and she's seeing Jesus, he saw Jairus, who was a religious leader. He taught the people. But he had a daughter who was born in the same year that that woman's sickness began because her daughter was 12 years old. His daughter was 12 years old. And now what does he do? He falls down on the ground when he meets Jesus. This is good master. So everybody around would see this teacher, that's their teacher, humbling himself before this Jesus and asks him to come to his house. She said, I'll come with you. On the way going, there's this woman with the issue of blood. She says, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be healed. That woman was a Jew. She knew the word. She knew that in Deuteronomy and Numbers, it says that for every Jew that is in that place, position of leadership, they should have these phylacteries. They must be white, speaking of his righteousness. They must have a blue cord going down the middle, speaking of the covenant. There must be 613 knots, speaking of his precepts and his promises. So whoever looks at a rabbi would know that he stands for what God's word has promised the people of Israel. That woman looked at Jesus and she was saying, if he's truly the Messiah, I know 
if I touch the hem of his garment. Not I feel, I know I'll be healed. The Bible says she crawled and came behind and she pulled on the hem of his garment. And suddenly Jesus said, who touched me? The disciple said, Master, everybody's touching you. He said, no, this is different. Something has left me. Virtue has left me. When he turns around, he sees the woman. He picks her up. She's totally healed. Listen to me. The woman pulled on the word. I'm in Russia, minus 10. I've got this whole audience looking, what am I doing here? And they're all looking at me as a person. And the woman who cannot see me hears me. And suddenly we have a scream. I'm in the back of the auditorium. It's all on film. She screams. And she comes running down. She stumbles. She comes down. I come off the platform and she comes and she grabs my hand in front of the pastor in this theater and she starts to kiss my hand. And instantly I knew I need to get back on that platform and tell the people because now they know the blind woman. She can see. So what happens now, she, it's now like they, everyone comes alive because of a miracle and it's like they want to look at me as if I healed her. I went back on the platform and told them, listen to me, I never done anything but delivered the word. But her heart was sincere and she couldn't see me. She could only receive the word by hearing. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. She asks if she could give a testimony. She comes up on the platform. It's on film. I'll send it to you. She comes up on the platform. And when she comes up on the platform, she stands after I say what I say. And then she comes forward. And as she's testifying and shaking like this, the other eye opens. This was in Russia, Murmansk. And I want to tell you something right now. I never came out of there thinking how powerful or how much power I have. I came out of there shaking and crying. You know why? I can't clean my heart by myself. His word does it. But you see, when he cleans your heart and he empties you out, it's not about you being something but him being everything. He will come and you will see him. And everyone will know that he is God all by himself. And I want to say this tonight. That's what he told me to tell you. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. And I know that as all those doctors and nurses in that hospital saw God work on my body without a sermon being preached. He raised me up to be a prototype to tell every child of God that truly greater is he that's within you than he that's in the world. And all you need to do is desire to eat him. Eat of his word. Ask him, Lord, please help me not to be captured and held prison by my sins and my faults and my failures because I'm human and I'm sinful by nature. But I'm asking you right now for a metamorphosis process to take place inside of me, God. 
that you will transform me. I want to climb onto the altar today of Romans 12, 1 and 2. And I want to say, Father, I respond to your call to present my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you, Father, which is my reasonable service uh, that I will not conform to this world, but I'll be transformed by the renewing of my mind. And I want to tell you something right now. That presentation will bring you to a place of separation. And that separation will bring you to a place of transformation. And it will lead you into a place of demonstration where wherever you go, they will look at you and say, you've been with Jesus. You've been with Jesus. He's real. He's real. And I have to say this, Keith, and I say it before your congregation. I'm in hundreds of churches around the world. I'm leaving in just a few weeks ago and preach to 500 leaders. They're over millions of people. Are you hearing me? In Egypt, they're crying out for God. But the fact is this, what you have here week after week is divine downloads from the richness of God's word. But Lord, I want to be transformed. I want to be changed. I want to radiate for you. I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done. Because I've lived too long being in places like, oh dear God, in the suffering church down in China, all around the world, and they have so little. They haven't even got music. They haven't got what we've got. But they are raising the dead. They're not living off sermons. They're living off the life of God. And so, with this, I would just like to pray, Keith, for those who say, I just want to be pure in heart. I really just want to be pure in heart. Lord, I don't want to be, be, go through the, the motions. I don't want to be religious. I just want to be pure in heart. That's all I want. That's all I want. Because you will see God. You will see God. There are, we're experiencing it even at home. There are neighbors now just coming and knocking on people's doors and saying, I've been watching your life. I want what you got. It's one thing we're going out after people to evangelize. It's great. But half the time we're giving them answers to questions they're not even asking. The answers we're giving doesn't mean nothing because they're not asking a question. The Spirit of God has to draw people. The Spirit of God has to draw people. We've got to sow the word, but the Spirit has to draw. And that's one of the things that we're seeing even on, I love to go on the streets on a Friday night and just be out there. You don't have to, I don't ever tell people who I am, but you can just sit out there and I just say, Lord, let your presence be known. That's all. And we're seeing people just being drawn. All we've got to do now is just have this in our heart. I just need to keep. The devil's going to keep sending all kinds of situations to get your heart in a place where you understand you, you feel you have to fix something. 
Do you understand? And then they're taking the place of God. I've got to, I've got to tell them this. I've got to do, I've got, I've got to, tell, I've got to let them know that. And what happens there? We're quenching the Holy Spirit. We have to believe that God is God all by himself. Amen. And Lord, I'll be in the right place at the right time. And I'll always see you at work. Amen. And that's where he wants us now to advance to. To see his kingdom come. So if you're here, you're saying, Lord, that's my prayer tonight. You can stand to your feet and I'll pray with you. And we'll raise our hands. Love you, Jesus.